right from Jump Street. Adam Crowley. What's up, players? On ESPN Pittsburgh. Live from the Carson City Saloon, it's the Bud Light Happy Hour, presented by Bud Light. Raise one to right now. You found the Crowley Show. Where your mom listens in, you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens. Follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina sitting across from me. Charlotte's home behind the glass. Check them out on Twitter at FBomber73 at ButtonPusher970. And please, tell your kids, tell your wife, we're doing radio up in here. Come on by, grab some Bud Lights, say hello, sit on Brian's lap. Yes. It'll be a good time. Last night was not a good time for the Pirates. They got that ass beat. And I hate whenever I get all geared up to watch a game, and then I'm afraid the game's not going to be played because it's pouring down. So then you start to not get psyched up for the game, but then you find out that they are playing the game, so then you're even more psyched up than you were to begin with because, hey, now it's unexpected baseball. And although it was unexpected that the game was played, I think it was fairly expected what happened to the Pirates. That they just got drubbed. Homer, 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 Homer. Balls flying out of the yard. Mike Moustakis, Yasmani Grandal. They've got this Yelich character who won the MVP last year. He's mashed 20 taters. He didn't even need to partake in the damn thing because they got so many hitters in the lineup that can hit baseballs a long way that they did. And he didn't have to. And they still won. And they put up 11 runs. And... The Pirates never really had a shot in that one. It was 7-2 before they started mounting any offense, and at that point, it's over. The Pirates can be the Brewers, though. They're not the Red Sox. They're not the Dodgers. They're not the Yankees. They're not even the St. Louis Cardinals. They're certainly not the Chicago Cubs. This, the Pirates are not going to pay exorbitant amounts of money. They're not going to be an $150 million payroll team. They're not going to be a $200 million payroll team. But there's nothing that says the Pirates can't be in a $100 million payroll team. Hey, guess what? They were that in 2015. The Pirates could have a good baseball team this year had they just added a few key pieces. The Pirates were over 500 last year. People forget that. I don't know if that's true. I like saying that sometimes, though. People forget that. The Pirates were over 500, but it was quiet. If the Pirates were over 500 when I was 15 years old, this city would have had a parade. If the Pirates were over 500 when I was 20 years old, this city would have had a parade. That was the goal. That was Dave Littlefield's thing. Dave Littlefield, the former general manager of the Pirates, said, well, first we've got to get to 500 before we can take this thing to the next level. No, that's dumb. Don't build a team just to get to 500. Build a team to be a competitive baseball team. Well, the Pirates were a competitive baseball team last year with pieces to build around. A good starting rotation, a solid bullpen. They needed some help at the dish. Now, the injuries this year, they've made sure that the Pirates' starting rotation isn't great. The underachieving of Musgrove and Archer has made sure that this Pirates rotation isn't great, fine. But coming from last season into the offseason, you thought if they can add a couple of bats, this is a team that can contend maybe not for a division championship, but maybe they can, but certainly for a wild card spot. Because 500 keeps you right around a wild card spot. The Pirates, they're still in the wild card race right now. The Pirates are still in the division race right now at 500. Imagine if they had some pop in the lineup. All it would have taken is $28.25 million, and the Pirates could be a good baseball team this year. Think about this. Mike Moustakis, he went dinger-danger last night. He's hitting two sixty-nine with 15 homers and an OPS of eight eighty-nine. Signed to a one-year $10 million deal. 
$10 million. The Pirates can absolutely do that. Huge position of need. You want a third baseman? There's your third baseman. Maybe that is their biggest position of need right now. It's a one-year deal. If the guy sucks, he sucks. But here's why he wouldn't have sucked. Because he hit 28 home runs last year. And he ate 38 home runs the year before. That is a proven track record. And oh, yeah, by the way, the baseballs are juiced. All it would have cost is $10 million. The Brewers, they went for it. Had a good season last year. Wanted to build on it. They did. The Pirates, pretty good season last year. Could have built on it. Didn't. The Pirates instead paid Jung-Ho Gung, a guy who hadn't played in a couple of seasons, a guy who played most of his career in a different country, $3 million, and they paid him $3 million not to be good at baseball. He's hitting 133 with a 504 OPS. Where's the other $18.25 million coming? I said you could save the Pirates with 28.25. How about 18.25 for Yasmani Grandal? I don't know if that's how you say his name, but that's how I say his name. One perfect. year, $18.25 million. He catches. He can play first. He's hit 12 home runs. So you're paying $18.25 million, and you're thinking, okay, that's a big chunk of change for the Bucks. They're going to shell that on one guy in free agency? <gasps> they never do stuff like that. Well, they should, first of all. But I never mind giving anybody a one-year deal, and I certainly don't mind giving one-year deals to players who have a track record. He hit 23 home runs last year. He hit 27 home runs the year before. It's a one-year deal. That is a proven track record. The Brewers have multiple dudes in the lineup who can hit the ball out of the ballpark. The Pirates, they've got Josh Bell. Christian Yelich isn't the only guy in the lineup that can hit. The Brewers' opening day payroll was $130 million. That's 14th in all of baseball. We're not talking about those Yankees, Sox, Dodgers, or Cubs. Bleacher Report, they made a list, so I didn't have to look it up that rank the top markets in all of baseball. Milwaukee is 27th. The Pirates, they're 22nd. Why can't the Pirates spend the way the Brewers can? Well, the answer is that they can. The answer is they choose not to. Bob Nutting is the ninth richest owner in Major League Baseball, according to Forbes. The greater Pittsburgh area has about 900,000 more people than does greater Milwaukee, yet the Pirates' payroll? Gets doubled by Milwaukee's. This is not about the economics of baseball, people. This is about Bob Nutting spending nutting. This is about Bob Nutting being cheap. Imagine if the Pirates lineup looked like this. I love playing this game. It makes me happy and sad all at the same time. Newman leading off. Reynolds in left. Moustakis at third. Bell at first. Grandal at catcher. Polanco in right. Marte in center. Adam Frazier rounding out your lineup. A guy who had an 800 OPS last year. He's not been good this year. With that guy, that lineup has some pop. And say what you will about the underwhelming careers of Polanco and Marte, and certainly this year has not been good for either of them, but I'd take them hitting 6-7 and seven every stinking day. What hurts is that the Pirates' payroll wouldn't even have to increase to $130 million to make this happen. The Pirates would not have to spend the money that the Brewers spent to make this happen. The Pirates would only have to increase payroll to about $96 million from their opening day payroll, and they would have wound up with Grandal, and they could have wound up with Moustakis. And guess where that puts them in terms of payroll then? Oh, it's funny how this all works out. It would put them at 22nd in payroll. That's in line with their market size. That would put them under $100 million, a figure that they hit in 2015. The Pirates were a few moves away from being contenders this year. I saw it. I yelled it all offseason long when we weren't talking Steelers or Penguins. They were a team that was on the rise, a team that won more games than they lost, a team that was a couple of bats away from maybe being legitimate. 
maybe an extra reliever or a starting pitcher away from being legitimate. They didn't make those moves. You knew that that was going to happen. But now I've spelled it out for you in a way that should make you want to throw yourself down a flight of stairs. Anytime you bring up payroll to the Pirates, you get this answer. Well, we aren't going to be the Dodgers. We're not going to be the Red Sox. We're not going to spend like the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, we're not dumb. Nobody's asking you to spend like you're playing at Fenway Park in front of the most rabid fans in baseball, or even like St. Louis where you're in front of some rabid fans, or you're in Los Angeles, one of the biggest markets in the entire country. We're not even talking about Houston. We're talking about Pittsburgh spending to their market size. The Pirates' payroll was one of the bottom two in baseball coming into the season. They should be about nine slots ahead of that. And I get all the time from Pirates fans who are apologists and guys like Tim Williams, well, who would you have spent the money on? Mike Moustakis and Yasmani Grandal, guys who you have on one-year deals, guys who have proven track records, guys who've gotten it done in the major leagues, that's where I would have spent the money. It's not that much money. It's under $100 million. The Pirates could have gone out and signed Manny Machado if they wanted to. They could have added that $30 million of payroll and been right around where they were in 2015. Uh, The Pirates have the money to do such things. But you know what? That's risky because you put a lot of money into a player for an extended period of time, and knowing how the Pirates do construct their rosters, you're looking at him making a fifth of the entire roster? Okay, fine. Don't do Manny Machado then. Don't tie yourself down to a long-term deal. Instead, get two players on one-year deals. Free agency is wacky right now in Major League Baseball. Dallas Keuchel, whose name I hate saying because it freaks me out, He's still out there. You got Craig Kimbrell. He's still out there. That's two of the best players at their respective positions, despite even a little bit of decline in their play last year. You can have players on the cheap. The Pirates got Corey Dickerson last year as basically a throwaway, and Corey Dickerson was one of their better players. He was their all-star. The Pirates could have had Grandall for 18-2-5. They could have had Moustakis for 10, and instead they spent none of it and are going to reap what they sow, get what they deserve. Bob Nutting's going to get it right up his butt. And the Pirates aren't going to make the playoffs and I suspect are not going to finish above 500. Mark Caboli is going to join us coming up in six minutes here on the show to get into OTAs, what's gone on over the last couple of weeks because we've talked a lot of Steelers. We've talked very little, really, about what's actually happening on the field one of the things happening on the field has gotten a lot of attention and probably more than it needs to. Six-round pick Sutton Smith, outside linebacker in college, small school, northern Illinois. He's now playing fullback. Now, they don't know where he fits. Is he an inside linebacker in the NFL? Is he an outside linebacker? Is he a fullback, for God's sake? Well, it made me think about Rosie Nix. This is not a Sutton Smith segment. This is a Rosie Nix segment. How about Rosie Nick take some snaps at fullback for F's sake? He only played one snap combined. This was a deep dive. In the two Baltimore games. Now, that team could stop the run, and the idea was to spread them out and attack that way. Maybe run the football without having to play power football. But boy, that still seems like the opposite of what you'd expect. You'd expect him to get a couple of carries against that physical outlet. Or not carries, but a couple of snaps against that physical outlet never happened. He never played more than 23% of the offensive snaps in a game. I said yesterday, I want to see the Steelers get big in 2019. 
tight end, extra offensive lineman, use your strengths. That means I want to see a little bit more of Rosie, too. I'm not suggesting the Steelers go all 2018 Baltimore Ravens. I'm not acting as if the Steelers got Franco Harris and Rocky Blyer. Merely, I am suggesting that they run the ball a little bit more in all formations. And using Knicks on the goal line is a must for me. You don't have Brown. He scored 15 touchdowns. you got to spread that around the offense a little bit, presumably. That's one way to get it done. Mark Caboli joins us to discuss that, and I've got some Steeler takes to run by his gourd fat boy of the Athletic. He'll be with us. It's Crowley Show. It's time for some straight talk. Look, if your wireless bill is growing out of control like some crazy, obnoxious weed, time... Right now, let's go! You tell me. You tell her how pumped you are. All right, let's go right now, right here. Whoa, whoa, no, Jesus. No, no, you no, can't no, in the middle, whoa, whoa. In the middle yeah. of the problem. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Light Happy Hour, live from the Carson City Saloon, presented by Bud Light. Raise one to right now. The last line that I uttered before hopping <laughs> on the air was, hey, look at this joker walking by in the hat. And I'm looking everywhere and I see no guy. Were you talking about the TV? No, he's outside. Oh, okay. He's no one with a hat in there? Yeah, he's behind you now, Brian. I was scared. Oh, oh, joker. We are at the Carson City Saloon, where you can spot jokers and hats, make fun of them behind their back. It's Outside. Inside, it's joker-free. Yes, joker-free, apart from us. I uh, can't speak to our level of jokingness. Can't speak to Mark Bullies either. He joins us from The Athletic. We've talked a lot about the Steelers lately. We've talked very little, however, about football. Mark, what's going on, buddy? How you been? You know, by the way, I, I think I've come to the conclusion that I do not want to be called fat boy or fat ass anymore. I think I prefer Husky now. Okay. Big boned? You know, no, 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 because back in the day, there used to be a Husky section at the Hills Department Store. And when I was like 8 or 9 or 10, I had to shop in the Husky Department. So, Well, what if we just call you Big and Tall? Because that's what they're calling it these days. It's a Big and Tall store. I don't call that. I call it the Big and Fat store. (laughs) Okay, so Husky. Uh, Pleasantly plump? Husky. Joining us now, Wayne Bryant. I think they went out of business, didn't they? <laughs> I think they did, yeah. It's a joke, Kaboli. <laughs> Roll with it, damn it. DXL Kaboli from The Athletic joins us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Mark, uh, I, from what I've been reading, Sutton Smith is going to play fullback and be the greatest fullback of all time, and the Steelers are only going to run behind the fullback this year. Ah, funny how that is, huh? Funny how all those stories happen today, huh? After you, know, you wrote one, one it's it's one reason why I hate when the Penguins exit the playoffs early because every single uh, publication in the city sends seven people and they each write four stories and they each jump everybody's interview. But I digress. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not bitter or anything, no. But um, <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, yeah. So um, now you know what they are just working him on. Let's not. Overblow this at all. He was working out with individual dr- drills twice or on Thursday each of the past two weeks, and he took a couple reps uh, with the offense on uh, Wednesday. I think all it is, I mean, they did force him to change his number from 51 to 42, so this isn't a fly by night type of thing. They want him 
to try to do two things. What, what it seems like to me is they're doing all they can do to ensure that they can keep him around come September, which means he would be able to, you know, fill in in a pinch of the outside linebacker position because, you know, that depth is pretty bad there. Yes. Um, if Rosie gets hurt, he can fill in at the fullback position, and he can also be a special teams guy. So he could basically take three roster spots. So I think this is just a, a way to ensure or to at least ensure themselves, make them believe that they can keep him around for a reason. So I think that's a big thing. Don't look, look for Sutton Smith to be getting, you know, 27 carries for 125 yards. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Mark, I talked to him at rookie minicamp, and I wound up walking away thinking a great deal of him just as a person. Uh, just from where he came from, the production that he had in college, uh, I think at the very least the Steelers are going to be replacing a couple of key veterans this year on special teams. He figures at least to factor into that a little bit, no? Yeah, plus, you know what, he, he could tell he loves football. And if you, I mean, that's what the Steelers have been doing a lot the past couple of years in the draft making sure they get guys that love football. And you talk to Sutton Smith for 10 minutes, 5 minutes, and you realize, I mean, that's all his life is about. He'll go, you know, he would be one of those guys that 10 years ago at special teams would be, you know, just taking out the entire wedge if the coach asked him to do it. That's how type of a, of a player he is. But, yeah, he seems like a type of guy like a Tyler Matikiewicz, very productive in college, maybe undersized, maybe – you know, doesn't wow anybody, but come up with some huge numbers and will be have a pretty productive career in the pros, even if it is just a special teams. And as you saw last year, they could use some help in the special teams. And I'm not even talking about kicking and punting some of the return or return games or coverage units. So he should be able to. I think that's definitely where he could. I mean, where he would make the team, I think he could be one of those guys that can contribute immediately. Yeah, I agree with that, and I think Deontay Johnson's going to have an opportunity for returns, and I think Justin Lane's going to have a chance to prove himself on special teams, too. Mark Caballi of The Athletic joining us here on The Crowley Show. All right, now to the big stuff, baby. The huge storylines. I don't know if this is one, but I want to make it one. Steelers don't have Antonio Brown. I, I, I don't know if you've heard that. He had 15 nah. touchdowns last year, a whole bunch of mess of yards. Well, Steelers don't really know who the number two wide receiver is. don't really know who the number three wide receiver is. What I want to see is the Steelers go a lot to this. A couple of years ago, Mother Hubbard comes in, sixth offensive lineman, getting big, and then running people over. I still think that the strength of this team can be the offensive line. Of course, they're good in pass protection, but I think that the Steelers could use a lot more formations like that this year, especially with the lack of tight end depth that they have and are fixing to have probably even if they bring someone else in. Uh, no. What? <laughs> you don't like it? And maybe maybe for a, a team here and there scheming. No! Game but, but, but listen here, Adam. Who's their quarterback? Do you think he's going to allow that to happen? Are you not? He threw 75 interceptions last year. Maybe don't throw it 68% of the time. And a dozen of them were to the guy who's not there anymore. Also true. Also true. So, I think there's a balance I, there that needs to be struck, though, Mark, that they didn't strike last year at all. Kaboli. I don't think they lost a lot of games because of their offense last year, was it? It was because of the special teams and some because of their uh, defense a little bit. 
So I, I don't. Are think you ready for a number? I got a number for July. you, Mark. I've got a statistic right. for you. I've got two statistics for you, actually. Don't make me give you three. The first one is the teams that were similar to the Steelers in throwing, sixty-eight uh, percent of the time, right in that area. All nine of them didn't make the playoffs. The other statistic: Steelers six zero and one when they run the ball for hundred yards. I'm telling you, they should hire me. Eighty K. I'll be the offensive coordinator. I mean, I, I really don't like that stat of, you know, rushing for 100 yards. Of course, because you're going to run the ball more late in the game when you've got the lead. Also so that those things are sort of uh, inflated, if you ask me. I think if you're paying the quarterback $30 million bucks a year and he's your best player, and they still got a lot of talent. Adam, I mean, they got Juju, and Vance is a guy that, very well could catch 70 to 75 balls if he stays healthy. Um, <laughs> 70 to 75. <laughs> no no more than that. That's the, that's the range right there. Not a 76 uh, Maybe guy. 76. I'm not going to go into the 80s because you're looking at Heath Miller range there. Um, Connor could still catch 60 footballs out of the backfield. I mean, Switzer's a guy that can, you know, obviously improve on his 20-some-odd catches. Uh, obviously, number two is going to be an issue. Is it going to be Moncrief? Is it going to be Washington? Washington looks good, but he looked good last year as well. I think it's going to take Deontay, Deontay Washington, Deontay Johnson, a little bit of a time to get up to speed here. So I wouldn't expect a ton from him uh, early in the season. But I think they have enough weapons to maybe uh, duplicate their offense. I think their numbers will go down a little bit, but they're not going to line up and run the ball 45 times a game and go the, the jumbo loves tight end unless it, it's a scheme or a game plan against a certain team that's acceptable to that. Mark Caboli, peer on of takes, joining us here from The Athletic on the Crowley Show. Mark, Devin Bush, what have you seen out of him? You told me last week he looks really small. Does yeah. he look small and good? For past, I mean, I, I they did some crazy drill yesterday. First time I saw this drill, any time where it was, they pitted the line, but it was it was basically back on backers, but without the hitting. Illegal. They tossed, well, they, there was no touching, there was no hitting. They they tossed the ball to the. Um, it was basically open field tackling. They tossed the ball to the running back, and he'd make a move and try to get past the linebacker. Uh, Trey Edmonds made a move right around Devin Bush, but. From Devin Bush to get five yards deep of the ball to minus three yards of where Trey Edmonds was was in a flash. Mm. It almost reminded me of Shazier, you know, before he got injured. He didn't care if he led the team in missed tackles, in which he did something like two and three years in a row. He was up 15, 16, 17 missed tackles because he saw a hole. He shot the hole. He was disruptive, but he may have missed the tackle, but it made somebody else make the tackle. That, was, that reminds me of Devin Bush right there, that he'll be able to be that. He definitely, he, I will say this right now, what I saw so far is he's faster than Shazier. I mean, he, wow. he, he is extremely quick. It's just going to be a matter of him getting his feet under him and being able to take some of the you know beating of teams trying to go the double tight ends and the fullback taking on that iso block and stuff like that but uh i think there'll be some growing pains but i I don't think the size will hurt him or the lack of size will hurt him because the speed is just absolutely fantastic and spectacular and you see that right away out there last thing for the husky mark caboli of dk pittsburgh sports.com with devin bush in the fold with steven nell did i did i say dk pittsburgh sports he might as well go back and say I'm from the Valley Independent in Manette. 
Jesus, I'm sorry I keep doing that. Mark Cavalli, of course, from The Athletic here on The Crowley Show. With the addition of Devin Bush, with Steven Nelson, if I'm asking you, and I am, on Friday, May 31st at 6.33 p.m., do the Steelers force more turnovers than they forced last year? That's pretty hard not to, right? I think Which so. they have, like a dozen. Yes. So, uh, I mean, Steven Nelson's definitely an upgrade over Cody Sensible, and Cody Sensible was just worried about, he was worried about, not getting beat deep. He was worried about keeping things in front of him. He wasn't worried about interceptions, and we know what Artie Burns was able to do. Um, so I think that's an instant upgrade. And of course, with Bush, I think that will help as well. I'm not going to think that they're going to, you know, be the top ten in the league in turnovers. But sometimes you don't need that. You just need a key turnover in a key position. You know, how many times did the Steelers lose on a last second drive? That you know, think of the Oakland game. You forced a turnover there, you win. You forced a turnover in the Cleveland game, you win. You just need some key turnovers and key spots. It doesn't mean you need to have 30, 40 turnovers. They just need key ones. They need to be able to take it. I mean, look, look well, prime example there, too, is the New England game. They, they have, what, one or two uh, turnovers that game? Joe Hayden came up on an absolute critical game, time, yes. and they win it. So I don't think they need a ton more, but I just need a timely one. I think they'll be able to do that. But besides the point, Adam, because the Browns are already 19-0, and they got to pass into the Super Bowl. Mark, I so declared today that they're, they're only winning nine games this year, I declared today. They're not winning less than that. They're not winning more than that. They're winning nine games. Bang, done. Steelers? No, the Browns. The Browns. No, nah, the Steelers' I'm, prediction comes seven. later. I'm, I'm a 7-9 guy. Buddy, I, I think we're on the same page, though. I think there's a lot going on over there in a first-year head coach. I think it's going to take more than just a season to get their feet under them. Mark? I mean, the coach, the coach is already taking darts of OBJ, and it's minicamp, not even minicamp. Be careful about saying throwing darts because you might get Bud Dupree all riled up. <laughs> Thanks for the time, uh, man. Have a good weekend. All right. We'll see you. No, I tried to bait him into you the good did. weekend too. He wouldn't you give did. it to me. He didn't. He wasn't having it. He was like, oh, "All right, I'll see." But like we I, said, we didn't want it from him. A good weekend from Kabali is a sarcastic, tongue-in-cheek good weekend. He he doesn't want to wish us a good weekend. Then we know it's going to be a good weekend. Should next week, starting on Monday, I end every interview with "Have a good weekend"? Yes. Like, even on a Monday, <laughs> yeah. have a good weekend. Hey, have a great it's weekend. Positive. Yeah. It's it, most people just look like the, to the next day. You're looking for a brighter future for all. I am. I like that. Have a great weekend. Thank you. We you got two. We got the hottest <laughs> take of the day, other crap, and three stars of the show before this tremendous weekend. It's ESPN Pittsburgh. Today, business happens here, here, and virtually anywhere. ESPN Pittsburgh, 970 AM and 106.3 FM. More of the Bud Light Happy Hour, live from the Carson City Saloon, presented by Bud Light. Raise one to right now. Everybody was have a great weekend, Brian. Thanks, Crowley. You too, man. And by the way, have the next weekend be a great one as wow. well. Wow. I would love for next weekend to be great. Tom, you have a great weekend this weekend. I can't speak to the weekend following this one. Well, I'll speak on that one, and I hope you have a fo- great following weekend as well as a great weekend this weekend, Crowley. I'm going to one-up all of you. Get out of oh. here. I'm just going to I'm gonna go Infinity on this. No, May stop. all your weekends oh, be great. No, that you ruined it, all right? Infinity weekend. No, greatness. that doesn't have any, like, genuine nature to it at all. You ruined it.
Yeah, I'm not buying what you're putting down yeah, there. No, no, no. That seemed like you were just doing a bit kind of thing. Yeah, what no, the hell is that? I never do bits. I'm I'm shtickless. That's <laughs> what she said. Yeah. <laughs> what time is it, Tom? It's time for the hottest take of the day. <laughs> this should be called not the hottest take of the day, but Crowley pees on his territory. Mm. It's time for Crowley pees on his territory. It's too bad that I'm shtickless. <laughs> Gonna make it hard to pee on my territory. Nice shtick. Bobby Orr's cup-winning goal in 1970 is overrated. They swept the Blues. The Blues were an expansion franchise. Boston was one of the best franchises in the National Hockey League at the time. They had Bobby Orr. I had this take last year. Well, Madden said it today. Madden wrote about it today, that Bobby Orr's goal in the picture and the leap through the air all overrated. I'm taking back my take. It's not his take to use. Damn it, Mark. I'm using that take. Or maybe it's that I persuaded him the last time I had this take to then use the take himself. But I think it's one of the most overrated moments in the history of sports. I do. That's not to say Bobby Orr wasn't amazing. Bobby Orr was. He's one of the top five greatest players of all time. There's a good argument that he's a top three greatest player of all time. You talk to people in Boston, they think he's the greatest player of all time. No, F that, F you, he's not. Uh, that belongs to most talent, Mario Lemieux, best career, Wayne Gretzky. Get the hell out of here, Bobby stinking Orr. But just because a guy goes flying through the air, scoring a game-winning goal in overtime, doesn't mean that it's special to me. Uh, it was cool because he's flying through the air, but had he not scored, somebody else for Boston would have. Had they not, somebody else would have helped them win the next game. There's no chance in hell they were losing to St. Louis. They dominated. They outscored him like, like 25 goals that series. So Bobby Orr, great player, overrated moment, suck on this. And suck on that, Mark Madden. That was the Crowley peeing on his territory segment. It's now time for Other Crap, which is where we go around in a circle. And we talk about things we haven't yet talked about today. Woo! Other Crap. So Paul Pierce has become a bit of a laughingstock these uh, NBA playoffs. He said in the second round when the Bucks lost game one to the Celtics, that there was no chance the Bucks would be able to overcome this and beat the Boston Celtics. They then went on to win the next four straight games and beat them. Then in the next round, the Bucks were up 2-0 <laughs> against the Raptors, and he said the Bucks have got this with some crying face emojis, so kind of poking fun of himself a little bit, but he was serious. He thought the Bucks were going to win. The Raptors then went on to win the next four straight games and win the series. So last night, game one of the NBA Finals in Toronto, Paul Pierce is there because it's on ESPN, ABC. You know, he's doing the halftime, the pregame, the postgame, and he was greeted during a break in the action by Raptors fans with this. That's a franchise and a fan base experiencing their first NBA Finals game ever, and they took the time and energy to have a loud and together Paul Pierce sucks chant. I mean, this guy can't stop winning, Paul Pierce. <laughs> that's it? Nothing to add? More like... <laughs> All right, that's it. Woo! <laughs> other crap. Stellar other crap, boys. Really knocked that one out of the park. More like Paul wrong, am I right? <laughs> oh, no. 
What do you got? It's a good weekend coming up. Uh, well, Arizona Diamonds, Diamondbacks broadcaster Steve Berthume, he is not on Twitter. So, <laughs> And that's it. That's, that's the other That's the only Woo! story right there, yeah. So he's not on Twitter, but, of course, since he's not, there are fake accounts of him on Twitter. And one of them is at Bert D-backs. Okay, so a family in Colorado is hanging out. They're big D-backs fans. So they tweet to him and say, hey, can we come up to the booth? <laughs> so the fake account then tweets back and says, sure, come up to the booth. So then said family then walks up to the booth, sees security, because, you know, as somebody who's been in media booths, there's security to not let random people in to protect us from getting killed and such. So security hears this story and says, sure, go head on in. Family walks in, ends up on the air with him, and goes, hey, you know, we're the family here that came from, you know, from Twitter. We're here, and he just answers, I'm not on Twitter. And then to the guy, the guy said, oh. And it got kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> Is that and all? And they murdered Steve Berthier. <laughs> yeah, so don't, don't, look, don't tweet and ask for favors and then try to take that Twitter account up on it. Unless Ocho Cinco shows up at your house with a bag of McDonald's, it's not real. That poor kid. Other crap. There's a 15-foot python on the loose in Morgantown, West Virginia. What? <laughs> there was an animal transporter that was driving through Morgantown, West by God, Virginia, IA, and this thing slipped out the vehicle somehow and was last seen going into a tree. It is 15 feet long, 4 feet wide, and the people that are chasing it, well, you can imagine who they are and what they look like. Uh, they have little sticks that have... A curl on the end. Like they're going to grab this 15-foot python with a stick and capture it. There's enough rats in Morgantown. Believe me, I lived there for five years. That this thing can live there for a decade, get huge, and eventually one day eat the Pitt Panthers when they come back for a football game. Wait a minute. How big was this python? 15 feet and 4 feet wide. Was Javon Carter visiting? I was going to say, is Dak Prescott in town? That's usually the kind of snake you could find at my establishment, the law firm, on Friday night. <laughs> it's now time for the three stars. Well, we're out of show. penis jokes. I mean, no more penis Already? jokes. Already? What? <laughs> God, guys, we're better than that. We, I thought we had at least 50. Couldn't penis even get jokes. a Robert Kraft one in. Are we serious right now? Barely got three. My God. Well, now that we're out of penis jokes, we should move on, I guess. First star. It's actually the third the star of the show, quietly great. Kawhi Leonard, I mean, he's putting himself in the, the conversation, if he does pull this off, as one of the greatest players of all time in my mind. And, and in his true personality's fashion, he's kind of doing it a little quietly, you know? Like, no one's really talking about it, but Kawhi is definitely right there. Are you saying that he's doing it quietly? <laughs> You son of a bitch. <laughs> I like dynasties in any dork. sport. How did I not think dork. that? <laughs> That's awesome. It still is. It makes me giggle every time I'm like a 12-year-old. And I was trying to go back into a take there. I just let it come out. I was going to keep on going. <laughs> Second.
Tonight's second star of the show, the inventors of basketball. This is our country. We invented basketball, even though last night on the broadcast they said maybe they invented it in Canada. <laughs> Wait, what? No, that's cool. <laughs> oh, no. James Naismith invented basketball yeah. in a basement in Kansas University, and I won't hear have... otherwise. You know what? I know Canada doesn't, didn't invent basketball because, one, I don't think Canada has peaches. Therefore, <laughs> they would not have peach baskets. Amen. Open and shut case right there. I mean, basketball was not invented with poutine baskets. Yup. Didn't use maple syrup baskets. We invented hockey. Whoa! How about that? We figured out how to freeze water. (laughs) America. First off. And tonight's first star of the show, Brown Specificity. <laughs> Cleveland ain't winning 10 games this year. Oh. Uh, I mean, they might make the playoffs. Oh. They're going to be better than they've been, really, since I can remember. You're going against the tide of takes in America. That's right. You're swimming upstream right yes. now. I've also noticed you said they ain't winning 10 games, which leaves it open for them to win 11 or 12. <laughs> you're leaving it open on both sides. I, I see your game here, Good Crowman. catch, Tom. <laughs> you ready for some specificity? Yeah, specificity it up in here. Specificity it. Yeah. They're winning nine games. Oh. Exactly nine. You're calling it exactly nine. Exactly nine. Oh. Okay. Now maybe they go nine, six, and one. Oh. Nine, five, and two. <laughs> nine, four, and three, but they're winning nine games. You're going to tie the Steelers twice this year? <laughs> Specificity. 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 Great weekend of sports. Bucko's going to lose to the Brewers tonight, but you got college <laughs> baseball on. You got the NBA Finals on Sunday. You got the Stanley Cup game number three tomorrow. We got ourselves some balls. We got ourselves some puck. We got ourselves a great weekend, and I hope you guys have a joyous one. I hope you have such a beautiful weekend. I hope you both have a great weekend. Tom, who'd you book for next week? Uh... I hope your weekend sucks, you bastard. Do your job. Hey, this is Richard Bessie with the Ford King Shoals Ford. You know, I don't usually talk about prices because I talk about the selection, the locations we